Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Super Bowl Sunday, February 5th, 2017. This is Celtic Speed on CLNS Radio, and I am Larry H. Russell. I just think there's a million of these going on at any given time, and it is an incorrect to say that they quote-unquote talked about a guy but it's probably incorrect to say that, like, it's got traction and it's moving towards something. And and to me, if I start putting all those out, then the perception becomes, oh, you wrote about all these talks that never happened, you were wrong. No, you weren't wrong. They were talking. But as you know, very often talks do not lead to deals. In fact, in 99% of the time, talks do not lead to a deal. That doesn't mean there haven't been conversations. And so you just sort of have to weigh how far down the road you think the thing is based on your conversations with the people involved. And, uh, but, um, listen, Ainge and Boston will be involved. You'll hear their name with lots of guys because Danny's doing his job and Mike Zarin and Austin Ainge, they're on the phones. They're doing their job. They're going to check. Just because they're calling a guy doesn't even mean necessarily that they have a huge interest in him. He your own words. One, Adrian Wojnarowski. Uh, yes, that was Woj here on Super Bowl Sunday 2016. A forgettable day. The Patriots did not play that night. Uh, Adrian Wojnarowski, episode number 143 of Celtics Beat in the archives. Celtics Beat, iTunes and Stitcher. But returning to the present, it's Super Bowl Sunday 2017, episode number 195 of Celtics Beat. This week being brought to you by ZipRecruiter and Audible. Audible.com slash try now for a free audiobook to go along with a free 30-day trial. No woge today. Corey Maggette is this broadcast's featured guest. Corey Maggette now not playing for the Clippers, but providing analysis for the Clips on Fox Sports West. Uh, that's, for me, it's weird saying that, but uh, Woj, uh, it was so shocking that it was you who put a tweet out that New York called the Celtics about Carmelo Anthony. And uh, I had some interesting conversations uh, with some listeners, uh, not so much about Bella or Jimmy Butler or whomever. Oh, yeah, actually, I did. Uh, but it's... Just what I said here last week in that it leads to a much deeper philosophical questions of where the Celtics are as a whole, as a franchise in the landscape of the NBA, and what this current group not so much can do in the media, but really going forward uh, in these next, I'd say, I don't know, 600-some days or so. Uh, rather than, you know, the cheap fodder for the talking heads on corporate media, I tell you, once the mellow thing wears out and it loses traction with the audience, which actually it already has, mellow to the Celtics is so Tuesday – but uh, there's going to be the new name to keep the eyes and ears glued next 12, 13, or 
or 18 days, whatever it is, whatever days. Uh, it's it's going to be Jimmy Butler is on the verge of being a Celtic. Stay tuned for all your updates on the Jimmy Butler rumors. Follow our insider on Twitter. Follow this guy on Twitter. Follow that guy on Twitter. Make sure to follow the channel on Twitter. Like us on Facebook. Increase your ca- uh, cable bill. Another 70 bucks for our special channel, which will have a ticker at the bottom to upgrade you on all things Jimmy Butler. And follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, LinkedIn, Tumblr, Instagram, YouTube, Google+, Pinterest. And be sure to go to our website, www.shutthehellup.com. Uh, <laughs> the trade fantasies are fun. Sophomore year of high school, 0-2 Celtics, my team. I couldn't step away from the computer uh, in the library. Uh, those crappy bubble IMAX at Newton North. God-awful bubble IMAX. Uh, and that was all over Nick Van Exel and Rafe LaFrance and Rodney Rogers and Tony Delk for Joe Johnson. I love that trade. This team needs some offense outside of Pearson Walker, and you already got Kedrick Brown for the future anyways. Oh, uh, we're going to have some fun with the deadline, but we got space to do so because, like I just said, I think it ties in with another thing that's been on my mind. I referenced it just now and on last week's show, and that being whether this current group, as fun as it is, and oh, is this fun. Title contenders are funner, but this is fun. But whether it's a bridge team or it is a player away, a final piece of the puzzle away, a trade away, yes, it would have been a much different story had it been, oh, geez, uh, I don't know Kevin Durant, uh, but stay in the present moment, a Jimmy Butler away or a Carmelo Anthony away, that's the underlying issue. I want to push that back and tie that into previewing the deadline and, yes, having a little fun with said deadline the way so many other podcasts like to do because that's when a conversation like that, until then, you know, right now, uh, Things are cooking or perceiving to be cooking with the Celts. They lost four total games for the month of January. They have six straight wins before today's matinee with the Chris Paul-less Clippers. Just retook the top spot for wins all time in the regular season. And oh yeah, Brad Stevens. Brad Stevens and his staff uh, will be headed to the All-Star game. And he's going to the All-Star game to New Orleans to go recruit LeBron, Anthony Davis, and uh, why stop there? Curry Durant, Carl Anthony Towns, we're all going to come here, form a super team. Uh, uh, but in all seriousness, let's – no more sarcasm. Uh, first off, I want to offer one thought that isn't overly discussed because it may not be as important to others. But nevertheless, how about these crowds at the Garden? I mean, maybe not Friday night, and who would have thought with the Lakers in town for the mantle of becoming the NBA's winningest franchise, Asterix regular season. Uh, But certainly these other games, Wednesday against the now-struggling Raptors, you can't have a more entertaining game to watch in the NBA in January, or actually check February 1st. Uh, A lot of that, thank you to Isaiah Thomas, uh, what he's doing in these fourth quarters Asterix offensively, uh, and how that confidence is spilling over his charisma, the, the crowd at these games are. You hate the cliche of they're feeding off his energy, but uh, I, I pay attention to stuff like this uh, as a season ticket holder, whose, whose money is going into this, because, uh, but I, I, it certainly adds to the whole experience of the game, is the environment it's played under. And uh, these crowds at the Garden for Wednesday against the Raptors, that was exceptional. And yes, it helps when you have Isaiah scoring 52 against the Heat. His ability to turn any crappy game like that into must-goes if you are in town. And everybody now knows it. For a regular season, uh, for a regular season, 
Best crowds ever in the new building at Celtics games. New Big 3, 2002 season, whatever. These are night in, night out, no questions asked. The best crowd at home games. And and so much of that is the natural passion of Boston fans, yes. But, of course, uh, with Isaiah and his historic runs he's having in the fourth quarter and everyone thinks that they're now just on the verge of history or something special every night. The anticipation. Fans not only expect the best ending to each story to the game, but just anticipate the shows that are that are put on i mean even in a loss like russell Westbrook and it back in december uh by the way but that you know that actually gives me no better way for me to to pump up our celtic ticket giveaways because it's legit right uh, wow if you have not been to a game this year now is the time what are you waiting for and uh we are giving away two tickets here we do so every month February, uh, this month will be February 27th against the Atlanta Hawks. That's a good game. Uh, that's a team right there in the Eastern Conference uh, with the Celtics, just a few games behind them. Entry this time, simple. Follow me on Twitter, at CLNS underscore LHR, at CLNS underscore LHR, to enter to win two free tickets to see the Celts take on the Hawks. So that is a big Eastern Conference matchup. That's at the end of the month. Uh, nice little appetizer today, though, before the quote-unquote big game. The other big game. So Celtic-centric here on Celtic Speed. Uh, but freak-out moment on my end. Uh, I think it's a trap game uh, with how it falls uh, on the schedule early afternoon. Although one would like to think that favor an East Coast team to a team operating in the Pacific time zone. Ahem, the Clippers. But uh, the Celts are on a roll. Mission accomplished in getting the coach to the All-Star game. Last game before a lengthy West Coast roadie. Maybe looking ahead of that. Other team doesn't have their best player. They're actually playing like crap. Uh, so chalk this one up. But matchup-wise, uh, big help in that. No Chris Paul. But Al Horford, man, I mean, he's he's really struggling. Not overall. Uh, to more accurately put it, just single it down, struggling to establish some offense down in the low block. I'm a little concerned there in that there's been minimal effectiveness with him posting another uh, big up. The fact that he can't score against a lot of these guys when posting up is, is now really hurting his ability to pass out of the block, uh, which is a real strength that he has because uh, teams are, are ready for it. it. It hasn't really hindered the Celts comma yet, but beginning of the season, he was doing so by drawing double teams and his passing of the double teams. It's, it was just so deadly, especially when you had one Avery Bradley cutting to the rim. But and I... I I think this is a little more, it's too long of a trend to qualify as a funk. I think teams have figured out you don't have to double Al anymore, and that's uh, taking away a lot from him as he's really having a hard time getting some post-offense going against players with size and athleticism, like, you know, a Serge Ibaka type or something. So he's definitely going to have maybe some, you know, against DeAndre Jordan. I know he's not the best defender, but Blake Griffin as well. Um, but just touch upon Al real quick here. Uh, his best asset offensively now is his floor spacing and his very good ball handling and passing in relative terms for a big. That's opening up all this uh, a lot for the offense, letting other players uh, get ahead to set up the offense quicker. You know, Jay Crowder in particular has taken something like 20-ish percent more open looks from three, especially on the wing, as opposed to last year. That in turn, I think, is, is a big reason why his true shooting percentage is up nine points from last year. That doesn't hard to say in Isaiah Thomas. We don't need to get into that. But today's game, specifically also stop it here. Corey Maggette, he'll be here later to talk about this matchup. Prime of the Clippers for us, the team on the West Coast that we don't see uh, particularly all that much, even though uh, they've we've got off that great start. But especially now, the big difference, of course, Chris Paul being out and, and not just that makes them clearly worse, but just how the Clippers themselves have having to adjust to that. I'll, I'll be sure to talk to, uh, with Corey about that. But the Celtics right now, high watermark of the season, High watermark on the Brad Stevens era, 32 and 
18, second in the conference, right on Cleveland's heels. This is not top five record in the NBA, six straight wins. We touched on that. And it still feels a little strange because I never get the sense that they have played overtly well. And um, I'm going to be, I'm going to sound ready like I'm just dumping cold water on how this team is playing. And this is coming from someone who uh, predicted 60 wins um, and the Eastern Conference Finals before the season, and also the number one defense in the NBA. Uh, that is not happening, uh, nor is 60 wins. And despite Wednesday's game, I would still be kind of surprised if Boston was able to upend Toronto in a playoff series. I don't know. Uh, although with the way Washington is coming on and Atlanta's hanging around, that may all of a sudden not be the case. Um, although I still think Toronto has too much offensive firepower and experience. I'd just be shocked. Shocked. If they don't get out of this, I don't know what is going on up there. But enough of those guys. In the words of the man coaching the AFC representatives in the Super Bowl tonight, we only focus on the guys in this locker room. Uh, I, I do still think the Celts have a little regression of the means uh, in them. And there's going to be a lot of people who think that I'm stating the obvious. And I guess that's something I'm very good at. Uh, but there are peaks and valleys in the NBA season. Every team has peaks and valleys over the course of an 82. The good teams have more peaks. Uh, if the 9 Celtics can start 27-2, and best start in NBA history, then drop 7-9 and with some of those losses to the dregs of the league, then then by God, the 17 Celtics can have their own valleys. And, and one would have a right to say uh, that, that said valley, see what's happening uh, in Toronto right now in term. Some the same analyzation or analysis analyzation uh, that should be applied to any team when things are going good and going bad. But uh, defense wins in sports, right? Uh, sort of, I guess. Right? Who's playing in the Super Bowl again tonight? But you know, Celts defensively, one third of the game. The other third, getting the basketball in the first place, rebounding. We still don't really want to go there. Uh, but Boston is still twentieth. Twentieth. In the NBA, based upon efficiency, and no longer can anyone scream sample size when it's 50 games into the regular season. And yes, we see when they ratchet up the intensity, the fourth quarters against Toronto. Uh, go back to the remaining possessions against Houston a week and a half ago when this stretch really got going. That was a mini, 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 mini watershed moment for this team this year, I thought, was that game, the end of that game. And that was also, remember, 24-some hours after the smart meltdown uh, down in D.C. But the Celts D, I guess, like any NBA's team defense, can really can really only be truly productive when they are playing at this ultra-high intensity and of course, that in turn leads to some simpletons to squelch on, you know, say, I love to see the Celtics play with that kind of intensity all the time. Of course, duh. But uh, for anyone who has a shriveled intellect when it comes to neurology or human anatomy, that's just not possible. Not saying there's the extremes of sedativeness. I just, while the Celts did have longer stretches of high energy uh, defense in uh, 2015 and, and all last year. That has been mitigated uh, by the opposition this year because they just – I know I've asked people like Austin Ainge this. I just get the sense that the teams just are playing the Celtics a little tougher now that they know that the Celtics are one of the best teams in the league. Uh, and they've been doing this now for a few years. And uh, But I think that there's just a few more uh, dykes that have become more visible for – let's use the Celtics' primary rival, Toronto, who just – Really, I mean, that is their whole offensive strategy. It is create these switches, play off Boston's aggressiveness, and try to get to the free throw line and just attack, attack, attack IT with no matter whom it, it be, be it Lowry, uh, DeRozan was out on Wednesday, uh, Norman Powell, Corey Joseph, it, it just go after Isaiah. Um, the other reason 
as to why I believe that there is some funkiness uh, ahead is, hey, the Celts have put themselves in a lot of situations where the ball can bounce either way. <laughs> and they've won a ton of these games in the fourth quarter thanks to Pocket Hercules uh, from efforts like from Isaiah. And yes, they do have an experience edge over roughly 80% of the NBA in that they have a group that's been together uh, with more so than many of these other teams, and that's just an advantage I predicted before the season, and that has played out and then some. They are the best offensive team in the clutch in the NBA as of this Sunday morning, but they are racking up lots and lots of close wins. Very few blowouts this year. It may be wrong, but the only ones that jump out at me, I know they've got they've blown the Magic out twice uh, that Friday night, and then I remember they beat the crap out of them down in uh, Orlando when I uh, Isaiah didn't play, and then I remember they had a huge second half against the lowly Nets. How good does it say to say that? But uh, those are the only real routes that come to the top of my head. Please shout me if I'm wrong. And while I've been egging on simpleton analysis thus far here, and here I am giving it, but the the Celts do have a point differential, which is not indicative to their record. It it well exceeds what their true Pythagorean win-loss total should be at this point. So while, yes, that is just face value numbers glance over, I just think that there really is, I don't know, uh, you know, we saw, let me just use just some anecdotal examples. You know, we see in a game, uh, the Oklahoma City game, which I referenced, where Isaiah kicks the ball a few times at the end of the game and Russ hits a few nutty shots or Al Horford misses a layup in Houston. There's just bad bounces of the basketball that could maybe go against the Celtics a few more times in the second half of the year. You know, other dudes hit crazy shots. The ball doesn't bounce the right way. And then what have been these unbelievable, great clutch uh, Amazing Celtics wins. They, uh, few things like that happen. All of a sudden, it turns into they choked. They don't have a signature win against a good team on the road and all that bull crap. So, yes, I am playing contrarian here, and I'm setting myself up, trying to make myself look good for, you know, if we come back here a week from now when the, they got three games and four nights out west, and uh, there could be a very quick narrative change for if and when that does happen. It's all, I guess, about staying more level because after 50 games, I think – we know we know what's been good. Isaiah, the whole offense is just as a whole, all the way to just more smaller individual positive storylines. Like I think Brad Stevens has done a great, great job bringing Jalen Brown along to where uh, this Avery Bradley injury has enabled him to assimilate more. Great job playing him with the starters, and he's now providing some very useful skills to the team on the defensive end, giving Boston just a lot more speed around the perimeter to get on shooters. Uh, And then, speaking of Bradley's injury, the Celts, they're really good at this. They are very adept to handling injuries. Uh, We saw that last year. Like, Jay Crowder and Marcus Smart, it took them a little while to adjust, I think, in both instances. I definitely remember with Crowder, I think they lost three in a row, but... They once they I guess have a lot more time. Once they do adjust, they do adjust. Like wow, am I stuttering along here? But they have adjusted after struggling initially with uh, losing Avery Bradley. They have adjusted over the course of an extended time. It looks like the Celts are very good at that. So after 50 games, we know I think maybe not quite everything, but we know a whole lot that there is to know about the Celtics. Barring of course a major trade within the next what is it? I don't know, 18 days. Um. We know where they stand in the NBA this year. We know what they're good at. We know what they're bad at. Um, We just know where they stand in the league, like right now. The big question, the the big question is where do they stand 
going ahead. And I think that's a little more murky, uh, and that, that ties into everything where they stand, especially with the whole salary cap, which continues to fluctuate. I saw another piece out by Eric Pincus. Uh, Got to get some of the cap experts here, uh, especially once that trade deadline comes and goes, and we just have the Celtics roster set in stone from now until uh, the end of the year. But the big question is, uh, I, and I think it requires not just a lot of thought, but a ton of meditative thought, uh, because I really don't know like, about the whole story about this team in the next 600 days. I haven't really sunk my teeth into it. Uh, so much of my teeth goes in a grass-fed steak, har, har, har. Uh, but a lot of thought over the last six weeks uh, went into my uh, drum roll documentary film, haha, uh, Paul Pierce, the best pure scorer in Celtics history, which I hope everyone loved. I really do. Or loved or liked or was content by it. If you didn't like it, please uh, send feedback. Do not be afraid to, you know, leave a comment on the YouTube video at all. There's, <laughs> do not be afraid to, uh, you know, not positively review this podcast. Uh, this feedback is everything. Uh, <laughs> it's everything. But uh, the film, um, if you do have the time, and we made it short enough, 14 minutes in total, so that way everyone would have time, I hope. But it is over on the YouTube channel. Uh, we released it early to subscribers on Friday. Now available to everyone, youtube.com slash CLNS Radio. Yes, it was a challenge making it a short. Uh, tough to cover a 15-year Hall of Fame championship Celtics career in under 15 minutes, but I thought we, uh, myself, Kyle George, if there's anyone who deserves a shout-out, it is that guy. Uh, Kyle, Coach Nick did an unbelievable job, both of them, uh, so much effort they put into it, and uh, of course the patience in dealing with me uh, and getting a lot of orders, <laughs> uh, but I, I thought we, we did so, and there were times like where myself and Sean Grandy, we had all this geeky recollection of the 2002 Celtics in that year, but that was the challenge was making that flow with the film and being concise enough so anyone and everyone could be able to fitch watching the doc uh, within their very busy schedules. So um, I guess that allows me to say if you want, like, everything 2002 Celtics, uh, all the stories, episode number 116 of Celtics Speed I did a few years ago with Eric Williams and Kenny Anderson. And, of course, my book, Fall of Boston Celtics, CLNSradio.com slash LHR book. I'm sorry. I love the 02 Celts. Uh, that was my favorite Pierce year. He was so good at getting to the basket. It's funny how we remember, like, the game winners later in his career against Miami in the playoffs. Even though those worked, like, if you remember the Doc Rivers isolation stuff out of timeouts. Isn't it really nice? Brad Stevens actually runs plays out of timeouts now. It's, it's so nice. But because those things with Pierce later in his career when he was still uh, all-star, Hall of Famer, the Pierce isolations worked, like, one out of every times then. And the other nine times were those just... They'd wind up with Eddie House retrieving a loose ball at half court and then firing a wild heave. Uh, but Pierce in 01, uh, 02, uh, 03, uh, he would just get to the basket at will. I, I, I looked endlessly for a game winner he had down in Miami early in that 02 year. Uh, he also had another. I remember there was a game I was at late in the year against Golden State, but... Yeah, I'm going to have to stop there because I'll just ramble on and on and reminisce. Uh, if you want to watch the film, I, I would, of course, goes without saying, I'd love if everybody did so. I'd love feedback uh, even more, anything. But it's Paul Pierce, the best pure scorer in Celtics history. Chris Wallace, the GM who selected Pierce, is in it. Sean Grandy, Bob Ryan, uh, me, uh, if that's okay. Uh, Coach Nick narrated it. Kyle George, he did all the yeoman's work. YouTube.com slash CLNS Radio. YouTube.com slash CLNS Radio. Of no coincidence whatsoever, 
uh, release the weekend of the Truth's return with the Clippers. Uh, it is final game at the Garden in a couple hours. Celtics pregame with Corey Maggette coming up next. As CLNS Radio continues its massive expansion across the realms of digital media, we are doing so thanks to our continued patronage from you, our loyal listener, as well as ZipRecruiter. The new year is giving CLNS and all businesses a fresh start for business, and a great year starts with making great hires. But posting jobs in one place is not enough to find quality candidates. From our experience, if you want to find the perfect hire, you need to post your job on all the top job sites. And now you can. With ZipRecruiter, you can jumpstart your hiring in 2017, post your job to 200-plus job sites, including social media networks like Facebook and Twitter, all with a single click. Find candidates in any city or industry nationwide. Just post once and watch your qualified candidates roll into ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use interface. No juggling emails or calls to your office. Quickly screen candidates, rate them, and hire the right person fast. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by over a million businesses. And right now, Celtics Beat listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash sportsfan. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash sportsfan. One more time to try it for free, ZipRecruiter.com slash sportsfan. Really tried to get you in there because like, I can't tell you how many times in like 03, 04, 05 you saw, I saw trade ideas in internet forums trading Pierce to the Clippers for, for you or Stro Miles. Uh-huh. And there'd always be the Clippers would never trade Corey Maggette for Paul Pierce. Are you kidding me? He's one of the upcoming <laughs> stars in the league. <laughs> well, look what Paul has done with Boston. It's all unbelievable. Makes me feel old though that we're, we're, we're talking. <laughs> How, how long were you in the end? It was like four, 13 years, 14 years, and now? 14. And you've been doing this for the, last, for the last three? Yeah, last I've been doing this for the last three or five. Yeah, Jesus, it's crazy. You guys, that that uh, that 2003 Clippers team, which I guess takes the annals uh, of NBA history of being one of the more underachieving teams, uh, I use that a lot in NBA 2K3. It was one of my favorite video game teams up there with, with Griffey. But uh, we can now formally welcome in our guest uh, for Celtics pregame against the Clips. This afternoon, Corey Maggette, and I, I know you've been at this a bit, but yeah, a lot of reminiscing there. Corey Maggette of Fox Sports West. Again, as I, I told you, Corey, that makes me feel very old saying that. <laughs> Larry, I'm getting old too, so don't feel bad. I'm, I'm so happy to, to get you here, though. Yeah, I, I, I saw myself too on, on the documentary this week, and it's just like, oh my God, I look every bit of 30 now. But I'm, I'm so happy to get you here. I've been, I've been waiting for this opportunity. I'm happy because we could do this pregame segment. Game number 51 for the Celts, by the way, 2 p.m. tap later late on ABC. But yeah, man, give us a little synopsis on the clips because that's why I really need you here in town here on the Super Bowl Sunday in Boston. Well, it, it, the thing about it first, you know, that Chris Paul is out uh, with the hand injury. Uh, and still have a little more time until he gets back on the court. Um, Blake Griffin is back. And, you know, he's just trying to get back into the rhythm of the game. You know, uh, coming back from the tough injury uh, with his knee, you got to try to get your rhythm back. Um, overall, I think the Clippers, they're playing decent. You know, you, you can't you, you can't really say too much about them right now because they still they have one of their superstars out and just getting – uh, Blake back, but overall, I think the team is playing the best basketball they can. You know, in this league, and I always say this: your, your best ability is availability. And if you don't have your superstars on the court, it's tough to win games. But they have been managing to do that. Austin Rivers has been playing well. Jamal Crawford is starting to pick up his rhythm. You know, the addition of Mo Spinks as well as Raymond Felton uh, has been a great addition to this this Clippers team. 
Um, but then you have now your all-star in DeAndre Jordan has been playing unbelievable basketball as well. Analytically, the most important player in the NBA, if you are going to reference ESPN's Real Plus Minus, which I will. Chris Paul leads that statistic, but he is not going to play late. And Max, I got to ask you the hardest question you're going to get because we know how good Chris Paul is and, of course, how important he is, you know, being the point guard and the team is effectively built around him. It has been built around him for the last six years now. So this is why it's the hardest question I get because it's a where do you start question. So mm-hmm. describe the differences in the Clippers with and without Chris Paul in the lineup. That is <laughs> well, a challenge. All, huh? got... <laughs> well, first you got a bona fide super superstar that's out of the lineup. That, you know, that's definitely one of the biggest challenges. I think also, like you said, when you look at his point, point uh, plus minus efficiency rate, uh, it's not just about what Chris Paul does. I mean, on the court, he makes everyone better. Um, that means, you know, fishing-wise, I mean, getting guys great shots from J.J. Redick, from Blake Griffin who's in the, when he's on the floor, uh, from DeAndre with his high percentage on dunks. Um, you know, Chris Paul, he doesn't turn the ball over. He's efficient in every single way. Um, that's what you miss when you don't have this guy on the floor. Um, you know, when he's not on the when he's not on the floor, um, you, you have it where you know it's it's a lot of confusion sometimes on the floor. You have other people that have to fill in roles that they're not accustomed to. That means you know Raymond Felton, who used to be a, point, a, a starting point guard in his league, he has to pick up his role even more. Every single person on the on the court has to change their role when Chris Paul is now on the floor because you don't have a guy on the floor that's going to get you those open looks, quick passes, easy baskets that you're so accustomed to getting while he's on the, on the court. Defensively, you say they're still d up. Chris Paul is individually one of the best defensive players in the NBA. So it's odd. Not many people really casually, they say casual NBA observers, not many people think of that, largely because they'll just see a six-second highlight clip of him trying to guard Steph Curry. And go, oh. But he's been one of the best defensive players in the NBA for the last decade. Clips are still oh, d Go ahead. Sorry. No, no. Yeah, you're right for sure. And I think one thing that Chris Paul does better than anybody, I mean, he is a, a great steals guy. He gets in the passing lines. He knows angles of the of the court. And so it's easy for him where he's reading everyone on the floor. And, and as a general on the floor, as a point guard, you have to know everyone's position. Chris Paul knows that, knows that on the offensive end as well as the defensive end. That's why he's a good defender. I mean, he digs deep and he guards the top players, the top point guards. You said you talk about we've seen stuff from Steph Curry, made him fall, whatever. But overall, you know, the last, like you said, the last decade, He's always been one of the top guys on the defensive end because he plays with heart. He plays with passion. Defense is not just about your skill level. It's about you having grit and toughness on that defensive end. And Chris Paul does that every single night. You said the Clips D, though, is uh, defense. They are still d up without CP in the lineup. Basically, I'll add point blank how they're doing it. Well, you, first of all, you got to have with their anchor in DeAndre Jordan. He's definitely the anchor on the defensive end, and, and as well as Luke, Luke Monamute, who does an unbelievable job guarding the best players, the twos and the threes in his league. You know, the Clippers' defense is more about help defense. A lot of times when you think of their ones and their twos and their threes, if they get beat off the, off the dribble, you know, it's all about moving with a string. And then the second line of defense, which is DeAndre, is always there to make, you know, guys take tough shots. He might not even get a block, but it's just his activity on the floor, his presence that changes those shots and gets them out on defense. And then you have Luke, 
you know, who's always the next guy who helps, uh, who's one of the best help defenders as well, as well as individual defenders. You know, so they have their defensive concept. And you think about it, you have, like you said, Chris Paul, a guy who's been one of the top defensive players of the last decade. You had add him in the midst of that when he's healthy. You know, they are a, a really good defensive team. Right now, they're okay defensive team without Chris Paul because everyone knows their role. If you don't know your role on a defensive end, you're going to struggle. Remember that game last year, these teased, the one the one in Boston, uh, double overtime. Do you have a recollection of that game at all? I remember I love to talk to that game about Mike Smith, about all the shot making. But do you have any recollection, or is that just the one? Yeah, game? yes, I do. I remember that game. Okay. I was going to say, uh, do you have any sort of final takeaways from that? If you can, it's, it's, it is about 365 days. I don't want to talk about the game in L.A. because that was not much of a game, but I, I do <laughs> say that because that actually was one of the best games on the NBA. Your main man, Mike Smith, for Fox Sports West, and we, uh, we talked – over the summer, I can't remember when. It might have been just about golf. So, um, or it might have been on the show. I bet, I bet it, no, I bet it was about golf. You know, Mike is a, uh, the ultimate golf. It was about. You already it, know it was that. Probably about golf because we were talking over the summer. But he, he, we were talking about that game because he did call one of the best NBA games of last season. If you want to just have the double uh, not, OT, game. not as much, um, not as much. I, like you said, I, I know it was a, it was a good game. Um, you know, I'm trying to think about, you know, when you had, you know, you, you used to talk about what Isaiah Thomas, you know, as far as what he's been doing. I mean, not just what he did in that game particularly, but, you know, even this particular year. I mean, he's a guy that's averaging almost 30 points a game. Um, you know, no one expected, you know, Isaiah Thomas to be doing what he's doing except him. You know, so you just look at what he's doing and, and, and you have to, you know, tip your hat off to what Brad Stevens, their coach, you know, has everyone has kind of, you know, following to the chain of, of, of listening to the coach, uh, following his system. Uh, he has got quality players around Isaiah Thomas. Um, you know, you got to have real good role players in this league. And I think, you know, Boston has that, you know, even Al Horford is, he's, he's, you know, he's not really a superstar. He is a, he's a, he's a, he's a, he's an all-star. He's not a superstar, but he fits into the role uh, with Boston. You know, talk about Jake, Jay Crowder, what he's done for that team. Um, you know, expanding his game from the three-point line, defensively digging in. Uh, Marcus Smart, you know, who's been a, you know an excellent defender for this team, and also the continual emergence of his offensive game. And so you have so many different keys to what Boston is doing um, that also they, it gives them a bona fide shot, you know, at one of the Eastern Conference championships because of so many weapons that they have, and it's not just you know it. You know, all the players, the role players that fit into the puzzle. You have is is more about a team concept. You know, when you talk about the Boston Celtics. Why can't I get anyone on this show to say anything negative about the Celtics? I was counting you there, I Max. Can't. I well, can't. I'm. 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 You know, I, I wish I can figure something out, but I think Brad Stevens is doing, you know, unbelievable job there. I mean, like I said, you got to tip your hat off to Isaiah Thomas. You know, at his size, and you know what he's doing on the court. You know, and, and, and every year you look at him, he's getting better. He's learning how to be a really good point guard, you know. So he's scoring 30 points a game, 40 points a game, and he's having seven, eight, nine assists. You know, this shows the improvement of him. It shows the improvement of what Brad Stevens has been doing, has been putting him in the right position, but also IT recognizing, you know, the players on the floor that he needs to get the ball to, when he needs to take it, when not, when he needs to facilitate it. You know, so, you know, it's just – you know, you look at what Boston, the tradition that they have, uh, you can see is getting back to that, you know, what IT has done in Brad Stevens. 
Sadly, but you made it sound like the Celtics are invincible today against the Clippers. So if you're not going to say anything negative about the Celtics, then what is sort of the Clippers' game plan of maybe to, to, to try and get the win? Because they are going to be underdogs here. Go ahead. I was going to say the top of the offensive glass. Go ahead. Sorry. It's, it's going to be tough. I mean, we're, you know, Isaiah Thomas is playing at an unbelievable level right now. Um, Blake Griffin is still trying to get back into the swing of things, you know, coming off the knee injury. Um, but they have really good role players for Boston. But also, you know, they have, you know, the reigning sixth man of the year and, and Jamal Crawford's the Clippers three time who started to get some type, you know, get his swagger back. And Austin Rivers has been playing well. And I say in order for the Clippers to come out with this win, um, it has to be a team defense. And the main guy, you have to stop Isaiah Thomas. You know, no matter what. You, you Honestly, you have to forget about everyone else on the floor because if you got a guy that's averaging 30 points a game, he – he demands the most attention. So that means double, double him when he's coming off the pick and roll, getting the ball out of his hands to force other guys to take shots. And now, and if you don't do that and you let IT get, you know, uh, get within the teeth of the defense and start scoring from, you know, the interior as well as the, the exterior and forcing the bigs in most things and DeAndre on those guys, getting them in foul trouble, you know, now the Clippers is at a disadvantage. Can take advantage of him defensively, though. And they, I mean, you, 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 I know you're really shouting at the Celtics, but this is—they're not the '86 Celtics. You can hit it up defensively, obviously, with Chris Paul not in there. They can't—they won't be able to do that to the degree that the Clippers would like to. And of course, you like to think with the offensive glass with Jordan and Griffin. I mean, it's, uh, well, I would say you're right. And and for for it, you know, you don't have Chris Paul, so you don't have a point guard that's going to go at him as much. But I, I, you know, I believe that you know Austin Rivers would be a guy, or Raymond Felton, that will have to guard him, and as well as they have to, you know, it has to guard them as well. So that means that you know Austin Haston and Raymond has to be in tack mode, and it might not be, might not just mean one on one. That can mean getting them around in pick and roll coverages. You know where he has to guard those defenders off. You know, is he in, is it in that part of the second line of defense where he can get those cheap fouls? And again, you talked about the offensive rebound. That means with Blake Griffin and DeAndre, they will be on the boards. Boston has to rebound and box those guys out because the best thing for the Clippers, they get out in transition, they get easy buckets. Uh, yeah, for easier the said, e- easy, easier said than done there, Vags. And they're also yeah. DeAndre and uh, Blake are also quick, little quick afoot. And sometimes with the Celtics, whenever they do get big, they get a little slow afoot. I want to get you out of here, but I got to ask a favor of you, my main man. Yeah. Uh, can the Clips just trade for Carmelo so that way this doesn't drag on forever? And I, I don't even want to have the whole bring it up on this show at all about the Celtics. Wow, yeah, that you know what I will say this about about that trade. You know, with any trade, first of all, you got to make sure it works uh, with the collective bargaining agreement. Uh, does salaries match, et cetera? That all takes into account first. You know, we got to forget. Let's forget about you know you know if we want to have Carmelo there. So if the numbers match up. You know, you have a bona fide superstar in Carmelo Anthony that can fit their role. But also, you think about the people that they was talking about trading. You know, how does that uh, fit into what the Clippers is trying to do? If you take away a J.J. Reddick, you know, who is their best three-point shooter? And pretty much their only three-point shooter that's sufficient. And then you take away maybe Austin Rivers or Jamal Crawford, all those different pieces. Um, you know, even a Blake Griffin, you, you don't know. There's so many different pieces um, to the puzzle. Um, that the Clippers have to think about when you think about trying to bring in a Carmelo Anthony, not taking it away from what Carmelo can do. Um, I, I do think that the Clippers can use um, 
another big time score um, on the floor. Uh, as even as an insurance policy, you know that Chris Paul is out. You need someone else that that could come in and 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 keep you know the Clippers in the runnings. You know because the West is tough. So, I mean, it's a tough. That, that's just a tough trade in itself um, for for both for both teams. You know, it, it's going to help the Knicks more than I think will help the Clippers because you're going to take so many different pieces away from the Clippers. Where now you have to bring guys off the bench to be more of scores that might not even be that might not even be their role. You know, besides Jamal, if you go now you have Wesley Johnson on the bench that not has to pick it up um as well. So, you know, it's a lot of factors into the whole Carmelo Anthony trade. Yeah, and it's it's really interesting too the position that the Clippers are in because they kinda have to go for it with Chris Paul's age and Chris Paul's status in the NBA as really one of the best players of this generation, yet Mayweather will be forgotten in case he doesn't win the championship. But at the same time yeah. you say to yourself, by God, even if they do acquire Carmelo is is that still good enough against Golden State, of course at the same time you also have that in your mind of, you know, Golden State is one injury away like they were last year of something not happening. I gotta actually hold on. Who do you root for if it's Clippers, Golden State in a playoff series? Because you made your name with the Clippers, but the Dubs, the Dubs gave you some cake. Well, well, I tell you, both teams gave me some cake. I always say, you know what? I just love to see good basketball. And, and personally, you know, I played with Steph Curry. You know, that was that was my rookie when uh, when he came in. And so, you know, I love to see him succeed. Yeah, you know, I mean, I taught Great him everything. You know, I'm just going to be honest. I taught him everything. No, but then you have on the Clippers side. I played with Jamal Crawford. Um, you know, I know Mo Spinks. You know, I know Chris Paul really well. The type of player he is, and, and DeAndre. You know, I just want the game to be a competitive game. You know, I hate to see you know the Golden State blowing out the Clippers because the Clippers are a good team. And, and and I think also you haven't seen the Clippers at full strength in the last few years because they have so many injuries. I mean, when you have Chris Paul and Blake Griffin out, I mean, it's it's basically a no contest, I believe, with, with Golden State because they have so much firepower power on their team and they're healthy. And that's, you know, and it's right. You want to see, you know, and you, you know, Larry, you want to see good basketball. You want to see talented players do. on the court. We want to see their guys healthy. Uh, we don't want to see guys sitting out. We want to see the game play at the highest level. And the only way you want to be able to see that is when you have your guys healthy. That's when you want to see a good Golden State and a Clippers team when everyone is on the floor and there's no excuses. You know, uh, you lose because you lost because you didn't play well or the team is just better than you, not because you have injuries, you have guys out, you have guys coming just coming back from, you know, from being out. That's the type of basketball I would love to see between the Golden State and the Clippers. So that's why I root for both of those teams um, to always be healthy and be at full strength. Won't see the Clippers at full strength this afternoon real quick. Give me a quick prediction, Mags, for tonight's, for today's, uh, this afternoon's game against the Celts. Um, you know what? Um, you know, I, I'm just going to flip a coin on this one, but I'm going to have to go with, I'm going to go with the Clippers. I think uh, uh, they have a chance, I think, defensively. Um, they can match up with this team, but also you got, you know, I think their biggest problem is Isaiah Thomas because when you don't have Chris Paul, you know, it forces other guys to, you know, to play more, play better than they're supposed to. To the to the point is, they have to pick up their their momentum better than the other team. I think I, I you know, Isaiah Thomas particularly, he has such a rhythm going, um, but I think the Clippers are capable enough to win it. You know, I think um, 
Boston is smaller inside. That gives um, the Clippers an advantage if they rebound the basketball the way they can and get out in transition. Um, that's where I think it's, it's, it's huge on if Boston is not making shots. The Clippers have a chance to get those offensive rebounds and defensive rebounds, get out in transition. Longtime NBA veteran Corey Maggette now providing his insight here, but most notably on Fox Sports West. Follow him on Twitter at Corey underscore Maggette, two G's, two T's. And any Max, before I let you go, I know you, I got to let you give you the floor to shout out some of your many other endeavors besides working for just Fox. Well, no, definitely working with the uh, the league office as well in their basketball operation. So just give me a chance to you know see the game from a whole different aspect. You know, as a player, we only focus. We have tunnel vision just on the court, and so when you're working with the league office now, you get to see the game from a different perspective. How everything works together. Um, how the league makes the game the way it is. And so uh, you know, it's been great, you know, at a learning capacity and uh, just trying to improve every day, not just on, you know, like in basketball, but, you know, in, you know, my second career life. Let me just say this, and I don't say this much here. We have so many guests that come in, but Mags is as classy as they get. Me and Corey, we were in touch for a long time to make this happen. We had to wait for that perfect uh, time. Thank God the Celts and Clips played on a Sunday. Finally, finally gave me the reason to get him here, and I'm so happy we did it. He is one of the most decent gentlemen in the sport, and I know everyone who listened got, uh, came across and got that. He's now serving as a great ambassador for the league, and of course, his analysis over on Fox Sports. One more thanks to Corey Maggette here. want to thank you for doing that, and of course, thank everyone who listened. Episode number 195 of Celtics Beat. Rapid music. Chuck Dietz and Steph Legratto. Sponsors ZipRecruiter and Audible. Audible.com slash try now for that free audiobook. Staff writer Eddie Santiago for yours truly. See everyone next Sunday for another edition of Celtics Beat. Powered by CLNS Radio.